Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Pleasure to be here. As always, we are excited to have you with us for another epic audio journey through the halls of pop culture. Pop. So, this week... We have some interesting stuff uh, in line. We are in the process of the second episode on our new format, the new format of multiple topics. What's uh, what's exciting you this week, Richard? What are we going to be talking about? Well, there's a few things that have happened here recently, including the release of the 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, let's just go with class of... 2022 2020 yes yeah and vampires yes the new uh release of the morbius the living vampire trailer from sony studios we're going to talk a little bit about that we're also going to go over one of my favorite subjects uh things that uh irritate me greatly that i'll hopefully be able to vent to you the listener and thus Save myself bills uh, in talking to a psychiatrist instead. <laughs> yes, talk to the metal and plastic right in front of you. There. That's right, and and it'll be uh, cathartic. They they say that that uh, that that's just as good uh, as medication and uh, counseling and, and a variety of other things that would probably cost me a lot of money. Well, it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about in a sense when you find yourself gaining therapy by spitting words into a microphone such as we do or using your thumbs and fingers to tap in words and put them on a screen on social media or some other media right that no one can be in front of you and say i don't agree with you it uh it adds a certain layer of uh uh a sense of protection that's not actually there, but it, it makes you feel bold and makes you feel powerful and makes you feel like your voice can be heard. Yes, so continue with uh, exactly what is bugging you. Well, you and I and everyone, um, we're all part of this wonderful stew of individuals that interact with each other on social media and and consume our information through television, through radio, uh, not so much print sources as much as I would like to think anymore, at least not the hard, hard print sources of magazines and newspaper, but still plenty of information online. Yeah, right? it's, it is a print source because there are articles. They just don't put them in actual print, just type right. print online. Uh, and there's, there's a, lot of bo- a lot of positives out of that because of the interconnectivity of it all. We have instant access to so much. We have the ability to get our information quickly, if not always accurately. Um, uh, it's it's kind of a, a buyer beware situation. So much you you see things, you almost always have to vet the information. Is this coming from a source that I trust? And then two, is that source accurate? Are they are they actually putting forward information that they have verified as being factual or at least as factual as they can be. That's been a big thing here the last five years. Yeah. Uh, maybe longer. Uh, the, they call it the, the, what the decade of spin, which I think is, is an awful terminology for it. I mean, spin is one thing. I, we are both in a, a profession that we don't speak about and nor will we speak about it that uh, relies 
on spin quite a bit, how we take the information that we have and then give it to the people that we're dealing with in our, uh, in our profession to achieve the results that we wish to have. Uh, those that are very successful are very good at taking this information and twisting it to their own ends, speaking the truth, if only in part, in order to uh, achieve the desired result. Now that, that has a reflection in our consumption of everything online. And what I want to talk about today is, is a way that individuals and companies are taking advantage of this as a way to gain income. Uh, a lot of people call it uh, clickbait. Um, I will just call it dis disingenuous crap. Um, more honest, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, clickbait is obviously the more common nomenclature, the modern modern term for that. Yes. Um, and I can understand to a certain extent. I'm uh, a less than scrupulous individual online, uh, or I should say a less than scrupulous individual that owns a company or has a, a, an eye to be uh, rich or profitable or whatever and just foist whatever on unsuspecting masses. Um, and some of it's somewhat uh, innocuous. I mean, we've all run into that, uh, that bit of information, whether we're on Facebook or we're on Twitter, or even just uh, sometimes going through a variety of different websites where there will be a link. These top 10 things you wouldn't believe this actor has been in. Or where are they now? These 20 stars of Saved by the Bell. And you will click on it and it will show you one picture with half a paragraph of text and 17,000 ads. Oh, click the next button to get the next bit of story. That really isn't a next bit of story. It's another picture of the person you just looked at that has the second half of the one sentence or one paragraph that you read with another 17,000 ads. Yes. Uh, it it kind of goes down to, you know, I, I feel like I'm an expert in identifying this type of stuff. I think it's pretty easy to do. I think it, I think it even goes back when you think of clickbait in a sense, it goes back even deeper because 20 years ago, your inbox or your email could be flooded with nonsense. And there'd be a subject that says, oh, hey, your account's been compromised, right? So th that's the same thing, just not quite as public because it's directed. That particular one is directed towards you, even though it may be an email that gets sent out to millions. That particular one is directed towards you, so that you're the only one that's necessarily seeing it. But it's, it's the same thing, right? It's deception well, by words. It is, but there are levels of this absurdity, levels of uh, this downright awfulness that people are foisting on other, on other people. So the email is kind of that lowest level. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to your email unless you really have no clue what's going on, which is possible. There are people that are just not there. Oh, it's extremely possible. Yeah. But the vast majority of people will know this is fake and will ignore it. It will go to a spam folder. It will get deleted. It will never be seen again. Mild irritation that it fills up your email. But other than that, doesn't really have a direct impact. Like uh, first generation clickbait. Right. Yeah. The second generation, the thing that I described, 
gives you just enough of that thing that you think that you want, that thing that might be mildly intriguing, mildly interesting, that if you've never seen it before, you will definitely click on it. And even if you have seen it before, I mean, I still, to this day, occasionally I see those things. I really do want to know that one thing that you just told me about because I think it could be mildly interesting, but I can weigh that against the irritation of all those ads and the fact that I am going to have to click through 40 to 50 screens to actually get to the end, which I already know is not going to be as fulfilling as I want it to be. Mm -hmm. That's enough to go, no, I'm going to leave you on that side panel of the webpage. I'm going to ignore that Twitter-sponsored link. It's bad on YouTube as well, yes. but uh, maybe a little bit more. It's I think they're all easy to identify personally, but the ones on YouTube, if you've got a couple trusted people that you listen to, watch, um, and you know they're going to be clickbait, but you watch them anyway, then you're not getting fooled, right? I mean, right. so, but it, but it's different if you're like, I watched seventeen videos on how to cook potatoes and then there's all these recommended for you how to cook potatoes that come up and you're looking at them like oh potatoes in 17 seconds and it's some cheesy little picture like and it's got you know all these views are like yeah this can't be real so right it, it's the same it's, it's in every what i'm saying is it's, it's in every media and do you think that there is a an age range? Do you think that there is a set of people who are more um, susceptible susceptible to these clickbait? Click- I think I think some of it is situational. I think some of it is uh, subject based because so much of the ads that we see is customized because our data has been mined by large companies and we have given permission to do this. But still, even this, while it's a step worse than that, that email uh, issue, is still mostly and fairly easily avoidable. Again, m- mostly mildly irritating, but it can be avoided. What I really want to address, and this is, this is all lead up to this, mm-hmm. I have a great respect for our journalistic heritage Uh, throughout the world, Uh, newspapers, magazines, the people that bring us stories, the people that give us news. There's always going to be a bias. There's no way around that. We're people. Uh, There's the individual bias of the person producing the article. There's going to be the bias of the organization often in the articles that are chosen to be put into the source, the the stories that are going to be run, uh, the people that are in charge may have an agenda, (coughs) Fox News, (coughs) MSNBC. Um, it's, it's there. And so long as you have your goggles on that, that gives you the tinted understanding of where the stories are coming from, you can deal with it and still gave you generally good information because it's a full story, whatever it is. But I'm seeing more and more from major organizations, they are falling prey to this same ideology of clickbait putting up these articles. And you can't see this because there's no video. I'm using air quotes. Um, it, these these fake articles that are supposed to have something to say about something and don't actually say anything. The only intent they have is to have an interesting enough headline to be able to trick you into reading this article, which may actually be even four or five paragraphs, 
um, to get you to see the ads again that are there. Now, this happens less with some of the major news outlets, but it's still starting to happen more and more online. It's, it's starting to happen with invariable frequency with, and I don't want to say less reputable, but uh, organizations that have, have always had a different focus than others. I mean, you look at the Wall Street Journal, you look at the Times, they are news organizations. That's what they're there for. Um, you look at things like, say, L Magazine. L Magazine is a fashion magazine. It's always in the business of selling you something. There is no way around it. They don't, they don't try to, for the most part, put on airs. They're there to sell fashion, to sell um, uh, makeup, to sell glamour. I canceled my subscription to that just like two years ago, so I haven't seen it recently. But I guess this is the thing that, that caused me to kind of go down this, this rabbit hole of fury, is seeing this headline, which really did, again, it piqued my interest. It was something that I wanted to see. Is this something that's true? What does this really mean? You see the headline that says, Beyonce remained seated during the standing ovation for Joaquin Phoenix's Joker Golden Globes win. Well, that sounds interesting. I like Beyonce. Her music is fantastic. She's an active individual in trying to forward causes that a lot of people care about. She raises a lot of money. That's kind of interesting. I love Joaquin Phoenix. His acting is fantastic. The Joker movie was wonderful. His role in that was great. Why was she protesting this particular award? If you read through the article, it never says that. They give some quotes from an earlier interview with Beyonce where they talk about her being this active person. But it's not directly related to what happened at the Golden Globes. In fact, there is nothing in the article that relates directly to what happened in the Golden Globes other than the fact that here's a picture, she's sitting in the picture. Ha ha, tricks you, you clicked on it. You bunch of pieces of garbage. I, I normally don't get this, this angry. I try not to because it's not always healthy. But be better. I, I, you hear that a lot nowadays. In this instance, yes, be better. As an organization that has some sort of purpose in either delivering news or delivering information or delivering even just what L is intending to deliver, which is fashion and advice and that sort of thing, be better. Make a real article. Don't just deliver this trash that has no function other than to try and fill your pockets with money because of getting somebody to click on your link. You are making the planet worse. Yes, I do believe, I could be wrong in hearing discussions from other writers that are in traditional newsprint, like newspapers. Obviously, the news newspaper is... It, Let's, let's be honest, it's just a dying media right now. People aren't consuming it via, via a giant folded piece of paper. So those people who have been in that media for 30, 40 years have to find a way to transition if they want to stay alive in the industry. And that is click-based, right? So right. how many, their article got how many clicks? It generated how many views uh, to that article or to the actual um main source right whether it was the newspaper whether it was the magazine those types of things and that's how they get paid now is it's it's it's, it's click based right and don't get me wrong and i will have this debate with people especially people of a uber capitalist mentality 
that you will get people say, well, the purpose of a corporation is to make money. And I will deny that 100%. That is absolutely not the purpose of a corporation. The purpose of a corporation is to provide some sort of benefit to society and individuals within the society as a whole. The making of money is what allows you to do this, and it is incidental to this benefit. Don't misunderstand me. You should make money. Make plenty of money. That's great. I like it when people are successful. I don't like it when people are successful using methods that do not improve the life of those around us. Stop it. Yeah, it kind of doesn't matter, especially when there's a lot of 15-year-olds that'll click on that link and like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And that's a click, right? You can't see how old that click is or any type of demographic about that click per se. I bet some of that information is out there, but it's still a click. But doesn't it matter? Isn't this the exact reason that it does matter? It won't matter to their bottom line, but it matters from a moral perspective. It should matter. <laughs> should being the key word. If it but, should, that means it does. But 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 that's just it. I mean, that's the culture we're in now. Where someone, especially on that particular article, um, what's your target audience on that? Someone who's susceptible to reading that instantly, right? For the most part, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but you know, an, an audience that doesn't that that wants to see that type of drama like that's that's what the draw is right there so you click on that and you read it click on it and see the ads click on it like ooh, l magazine i haven't been to that place in a year let's see what their website looks like and the draw is you're right it's to deceive people in a sense to draw people in in a sense that's that's how it is now that uh, uh, to me it doesn't matter that's just reprehensible behavior and we should be above that Everything isn't about making money. So, by the way, Pudding People, if you haven't already, take a take a stroll by our Patreon page. We, we need some clicks. <laughs> for, for just a dollar a month, you can help support the Pudding Guys as we bring you hard-hitting pseudo-journalism, just like you heard a moment ago, and the ability to run into more people, to interview uh, more places, to bring you new information and the same old ideas regurgitated in a different form. We would we would absolutely love to have you. In fact, we're going to be adding some new stuff to our Patreon where you will be able to support some new endeavors that actually have a direct benefit to you, not just in supporting our show, but having some new tools available, something like that. And don't forget to stop by our other social media. We are on Twitter as at Real Pudding Guys. What are we on Instagram and Facebook, Richard? Pudding Guys. Yeah, pretty easy to remember. Uh, we are on some of the social media more often than others. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, maybe not so much, trying to fix that. On Twitter pretty regularly. Instagram, so-so. but uh, So-so. But uh, in, in terms of things like Facebook, it's still a valid media. We don't deceive anybody with clickbait. No. We don't deceive anybody with false dreams. <laughs> it's just quotes and hey this is what's coming up on friday that's right if Pretty you simple click it stuff. you know we enjoy that we don't get paid for it no. but um we enjoy it absolutely back to the show all right so 
now that uh, all that bile is gone. I feel I feel free. I feel wonderful. How about you, Richard? I feel like there's more energy to be negative about something. Yeah, I, I I'm going to pass the negative baton over to over to Richard to start things off. We are both huge fans of music, and some news that came in that we just saw is just maybe not sitting quite well with us. Yeah, so we've got the, I think it was actually just announced today as we are recording it, not today as you're hearing this. On the 15th of January, 2020. The new inductees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, class of 2020. Uh, names that you've heard of, mostly Absolutely. heard of. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Depeche Mode, the Doobie Brothers. Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, The Notorious B.I.G., and T-Rex. Now, beyond the fact that Notorious isn't exactly rock and roll, I will not say that he's not good because the Notorious B.I.G. was fantastic. I, I love. He should definitely be honored. But uh, what other, I mean, there have been, this isn't, like there's a precedent that's already been set. Oh, yeah. is, isn't gosh is is Snoop or Tupac or both? Like aren't they already in the Rock and Roll I'm Hall pretty, of Fame? I'm pretty sure Tupac already is. Yeah. So I I, I know there's a few just genuine straight hip hop artists that are already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or some people that could be really considered like pop rather than even regular rock and roll. So it's, it's more to honor just music as a whole. Yeah, and that's evolved. Yeah. I, and uh, you know when you look at an artist like Whitney Houston, if you're if you're looking at it strictly on the basis of rock and roll Hall of Fame, that's what I think has evolved here a lot in the last maybe ten years, and and who gets actually elected to this. So we can't necessarily fault some of these artists that are on here. When if you're if you're thinking and you're looking at the title Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, those don't fit the mold. But if you look at previous inductees, they more than fit the mold. So. I guess that's not necessarily the contention, right? No. And, and no. they're they're okay. I mean, if you're going to strictly use it as a rock and roll hall of fame, I think there were more uh, worthy bands or artists that could have been elected above some of these folks. I'm I was still surprised that the Doobie Brothers hadn't been inducted yet. I somehow just kind of assumed that they already had. Is Michael McDonald already in there? Shaman gone check. Anyway, uh, you know, because the Doobie Brothers did go through quite a few iterations, but sure. yeah, that uh, I mean, they're you're right. They've been around long enough. They've had enough quality albums, songs, music. It's they're they're okay. I guess if I have one, when I looked at the list. And Depeche Mode is what whatever they are. Not yet. not really rock and roll by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but a great band. Great band, yep. Uh, I guess they wouldn't be the contention. Uh, when I looked at the list, I was like, T-Rex, okay. What? Um, I mean, I like dinosaurs, but you know, tell me about <laughs> tell me about what uh, T-Rex is, because I, I I honestly the 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 name of that band, and maybe I'm crazy because I feel like I I, I like. I like a lot of music. If I'm going to have a, 
if I'm going to have a radio station on, if I'm actually going to be tuned to a radio station, it's going to be something that plays stuff from 60s, 70s, and 80s. That, that's it. I'm not going to play anything modern on it. But I legitimately have never heard of T-Rex. To be fair, it's maybe not the name of a band that would stick quite so much. And as we were kind of talking before we recorded, maybe their biggest hit was covered by a band that eclipses them greatly. Um, yes. Now, the, the the song that I think I recognized instantly was the Bang a Gong song. That's not that. Bang a Gong in parentheses. Get it on. Uh, you would know that song. Like if you've heard any music at all, you you'd know what that is. But then the other one we were talking about was uh, was it the Twentieth Century Boy? Was that the one that had been covered? I think so. Yeah. So there's just a couple of songs here that I had heard, but I didn't know that was T-Rex, but now I know. Anyway, uh, we had a list pulled up earlier of some of the folks that missed out on the vote. And I guess we're a little bit biased here in the store, here in the store here. Uh, I am definitely biased. We obviously love Chris Cornell. We love Soundgarden. We love everything associated with Soundgarden. And some of their contemporaries are already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. And I do believe Soundgarden was in the final vote to be elected. And they missed out on it this year. And Well, they do a fan vote. The fan vote had them in the top five. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But they were not chosen. And it feels... And this is not intended to be a snub to T-Rex because they have an important place in music history. But two to three halfway decent songs does not a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame entry make for me. Where you've got Soundgarden, where nearly their entire compilation of music is amazing. And you could argue, of course, that one of their albums had the majority of their more popular play on on air, if you want to say that. Oh, yeah, the Black Hole Sun. Uh, down down on the Upside? No, that's Super that Unknown. Super Unknown, sorry. Although Down on the Upside did have a lot of hits. Um, uh, for sure, when they went on Saturday Night Live, it was in support of that album. But their whole their whole block of successful albums that ranged through the 90s, although Ultra Mega OK from 89 is amazing. Anyway, uh, like I said, all their contemporaries are... are Basically already in. Yeah, so it's... Like I said, we're biased. But yeah. these... I mean, they weren't the only ones that, that missed out no, on this. No, Pat whole... Benatar missed too. And Pat Benatar... I would, I would have taken Pat Benatar over T-Rex. Pat True. Benatar over Whitney? No, no. I think picking Whitney over Pat Benatar is probably right. She had a huge kind of uh, cultural impact and was kind of iconic in a lot of ways. Now, this is why I feel like I'm kind of kind of fair in my reaction. I would have taken Pat Benatar over Soundgarden. Just because, of, first of all, the time frame in which she performed. She was she predated Soundgarden significantly. 
And she had, like I said, a huge, maybe not as huge as, as Whitney Houston, but a very, very strong cultural impact in a, in a couple different ways. So a lot of artists owe their some of their influence to Pat Benatar. So over I, Depeche Mode. Yes, yes, I would take uh, Soundgarden and Pat Benatar over Depeche Mode. This is again, uh, it's just about what was contributed. Is Depeche Mode good in doses? <laughs> <laughs> After a little while listening to Depeche Mode, maybe two or three songs, I really want to tune it to something else. Now, again, that's taste. But how many artists do you run into that say, man, I wouldn't be playing what I'm playing if it wasn't for Depeche Mode? I'm sure there's thousands. But um, one of the interesting lists, one of the interesting ones on here, though, is uh, Nine Inch Nails. That was um, really interesting. And it, I mean, should in parentheses, shouldn't it just be Trent Reznor? I mean, is that, I mean. It does he, seem kind of silly. Yeah. But um, Nine Inch Nails has the popularity, although not the, I would say not the commercial popularity to yeah. an extent. Yeah, not the same kind of success. Of a lot of these other bands. But what you saw with Nine Inch Nails was someone who did everything. Oh yeah. He right? did video game music. He did the 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 really popular uh stuff during the alternative period that he had. I mean he had an industrial sound that was really impressive. He made songs that uh Johnny Cash would later do much better. Um it's just uh, I couldn't help it. It was there. Uh well, there some swinging some bait. <laughs> Although I, I did like Trent Reznor's version of Hurt as well. It's just a completely different song. Well, and with Trent Reznor, I mean, he's also, he's a, a producer too. So oh, yeah. for numerous other bands. So I'd almost argue if you're doing it Nine Inch Nails that I'd almost lean more Trent Reznor than simply Nine Inch Nails. I think that would be, be a better way. But I, I get I get that one as well. Even though, like I said, they don't have the commercial success. They that kind of that band and that production and the way they made things and how they did and what they did for things just kind of ushered in a new era for music. I kind of feel like so that makes sense. For well, them. maybe it's also just a recognizability thing because if you ask the average person on the street that was not a fan of music at the time. Um, who Trent Reznor was, they may not know. But if you ask them Nine Inch Nails, like, oh, yeah, that one weird song uh, that talks about sex. Yes, Closer. That's the one that everybody has heard 300,000 times. And somehow I never get tired of it. And there's other ones, you know. Oh, yeah, he has, he has a lot of good music. So, you know, and once again, in looking at this list, it's not like we can argue maybe against a lot of these inductees. But there's, I think, maybe some stronger arguments for a few others that got uh, denied this year. And, you know, maybe Soundgarden will get it next year. I hope so. And maybe to make up for it, you should induct them twice because they're that good. Well, you can induct each one of them and then the band and then, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's that, that pretty much the whole thing. Well, let's wrap up on a uh, positive note as I smack into the microphone with my glasses. Uh, it's only the second time, you know. Uh, third, now that I just did it again. Um, 
can you tell that every time we record, I am on on, on just the edge of a, a total physical meltdown because of a combination of, uh, you know, the time and uh, my inability to get a good night's sleep ever and, uh, and a variety of other things where my body is just going to slowly uh, negate uh, any level of control I have over it. I'm just going to take a header right into the microphone one day. You need to get some uh, coffee or some Red Bull or some uh, Red Bull in your coffee, and then you're <laughs> good to go. Uh, become that character from Mad TV, the, the too much coffee man. Yeah, don't, don't think so. doesn't work for me. It could work. Yeah. But, you know, all that really does for most people is just keep them up at night. But speaking of keeping up at night... Mm. <laughs> like that transition, that was skill. It was amazing in my own mind. Uh, we wanted to talk about the new trailer that just dropped. Uh, I think today was that today. I want to say yay yesterday. Maybe yesterday. Um, the newest Sony offering. So I, I take it you saw the the Morbius Living Vampire uh, trailer. What'd you think, Richard? I thought it was pretty. Interesting. I, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with the story, not as familiar as probably you are with the story. And I get the character, and I get the interactions and stuff. And it looks good. If they're going to treat it like a, not a horror, but like a th- thriller, maybe. Mm. Horror thriller? Or... Well, if they take it with a similar tone that the Blade movies did, it should be in the right direction. Although I don't think it's going to be rated R. No, I think it's going to be PG-13. Um, no, it looked good. Uh, a couple little surprises, I guess you could say. Uh, I, I enjoyed... There's there's two things that I immediately noticed about this trailer. So the first one, in one of the scenes, he's walking by a uh, Spider-Man kind of poster that's hanging up, which we will discuss because there's interesting with that and and then also at the end you saw uh michael keaton uh well his uh vulture adrian tombs Mm -hmm. character uh at the end and those are the two kind of things that kind of stood out as i watched the trailer i am i would like to say i'm cautiously optimistic um the the track record of Sony in making superhero films is spotty. Um, you know, we've talked about this at length on some of them, how the original Spider-Man trilogy started, at least for me, started exceptionally strong. Uh, and some people believe it got even better with the second one and then just dropped off the face of the earth with the third one. Other people will say, no, that's absolutely not true. It started really strong in the first one. It was just a slow slide, and then it dropped off with the third. And some people will say that they're all just awful. I personally, I meant, I liked the first two films really well, and then they just made mistakes in the third one. Other elements that you could still enjoy. It just was not a great movie. The amazing Spider-Man films were, eh. Not not awful, but no, nothing too memorable. They were they were too soon of a reboot for me. For one, I understand the necessity of trying to keep that that hot hot money making property active, so you can keep the rights and everything. But it just it was it it created 
an environment where people started getting tired of Spider-Man. And then there was the great trepidation that when they were going to restart it again, that it was going to be just awful. But luckily, we had a little cooperation with the MCU people, and uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is the best Spider-Man so far in my eyes. Um, and the two films that were released in unison between the two films or uh, between the two studios have been fantastic. Then we had Venom. I mean, we have we have a review on Venom if you'd like to look at our yeah. uh, website and see our wonderful scores for that movie. Yeah. They weren't great. No. And although the movie did make a lot of money, it's it's great for a film and a studio and filmmakers to make a lot of money. But unfortunately, what that means is people thought the people that provide the money think that that movie was good. So they will, of course, want to make more money. So they're going to make another one of those movies. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, and I have to be very clear. I do not blame any of the actors. I think the actors did fine. I do not blame the director, even. Because uh, a lot of times with these big-budget hero films, you don't get a lot of choice in certain aspects. Um, I can't even necessarily exactly fault the writers. Because, again, they've got their own pressures. You're going to create that treatment and it's only going to get picked up if the studio thinks that there's something to it that they can manipulate in the way that they want. I will I will put this squarely at the 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 way that large companies like Sony operate. Yeah, Sony. Yeah. But that that shot where he's walking past the alley and the uh the picture of the Spider-Man. Now it has spray painted on it across it. Murderer, right? Right, right. right. Uh, that even wasn't the thing that interested me. Was the actual picture, right? Because I'm like, <laughs> what? What is this picture? I'm pretty sure that's a. Um, I want to say that's a screen grab off of their PS. It is PS3, PS4 game. A lot of people have seen that. <laughs> I've seen several commentaries like that's funny. That's. Um... It's either exceptionally clever or really lazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think... See, uh, part of it I get because in the MCU, right, if, right. We're, if we are tying it in or we're being in the same world and this could be an MCU thing or it could be a Marvel thing, all the suits that you saw uh, Peter Parker wear... In the in those movies were uh, Tony Stark creations. Yeah. So you can't have those Tony Stark creations in the Sony world, right? Maybe I, I'm not entirely sure how that uh, that uh, that agreement between the studios works. Yeah. But why why are you gonna use the screen from the for the video game? Well, it's it's an early. They 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 own it. So that's part of it. But you're it's right. An early it's... trailer. I mean, how many people are really going to notice that? Only the geekiest of individuals are really going to. You have to have the cross-section of people that have played the game and are familiar enough with it and then also watch this trailer with the hopes that they're going to like the movie and remember. And It's a, it's a cross-factor of what? 2% of people maybe are going to notice? Oh, I'm going to say a lot more people than 2% notice that that not that it's Spider-Man. I, I'm going to say notice that that 
that Something the actual image is out of place in that world. Completely out of place. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out more about that when the movie comes out. But yeah, I, I venture to say a lot of people noticed that and then went back to do a double take. I certainly did. And I'm not the most observant person, but I just felt it was kind of blatant <laughs> to me. Now, I, lo- I, lo- I really like the Morbius character. Uh, I was talking to a couple of people about this earlier, and his character in the comics is really interesting to me. I've always enjoyed it. They had a, uh, he started really as, as a kind of a Spider-Man villain, but he's, he's not exactly a villain, not in the, not in the strictest sense of the word. Um, at least not as, as it looks like they're going to portray him. He's going to be more kind of like a, a, a lizard kind of a villain where the person is okay, but now they have this condition that kind of influences them to do some pretty awful stuff. Um, so they're not in complete control of their faculties when, when the time arrives. Um, now I'm, I'm curious as to how they're going to bring this in because they've stayed away from the strictly supernatural in the MCU, just kind of completely. And in fact, they, they've had a hard time deciding whether there's magic, if it's actually science, how does magic, what does magic mean? And so when you get monsters, you're, you're edging into the realm of that, that kind of fantasy, magical side of things. So that's why I can't wait to see what they're going to do with Blade uh, whenever they bring him back again. But also with Morbius, he's, he's a vampire, but he's not. So in the comics, he, he, he it looks like they're going to follow the origin story essentially to what was there, that he's trying to cure himself of disease and gives himself something worse. Um, so he, he doesn't have the same kind of weaknesses that a standard vampire does. He also doesn't have the same exact power set that a regular vampire does. So there's, there are some, some differences and there was a a great crossover set of comics, uh, called the midnight suns. Um, wow. A couple decades ago. Jeez. Um, but it was a series of a lot of the mystically inclined characters from the Marvel comics. You had Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze. Yes, they were different at that time. Uh, Vengeance, uh, Morbius, the living vampire. You had the Night Stalkers, which was Blade, Hannibal King, and Whistler. You had uh, what were called the, the Darkhold Redeemers, which is a long conversation for another day. It's a comic that I have a great deal of love for because it's so different than any other comic of that time or that I've, at least in the main big companies between Marvel and DC that I've seen any time since. It kind of reminds me of what if Tales from the Dark Side or Friday the 13th, the series was a comic book. Very much kind of that that concept. Um, but yeah, so it... There's some really interesting tie-ins. And if they can keep Morbius as part of the MCU, that's the way to bring in all of those other characters that are maybe not quite so well-known. We could finally get a good Ghost Rider, or we could get Blade back, or any of that other stuff that kind of fits on that end of the spectrum. And that is exciting. But then you're also talking about Sony and Marvel Slash Disney. Well, no. Agreeing. No, not necessarily on that back door. So they're doing Morbius because Morbius is tied kind of property-wise into Spider-Man. 
but Blade isn't, and neither is Ghost Rider. Those are different. So if you can get that interest into that segment with this movie and bring it back around to those other characters, the fact that Sony was involved with Morbius, whether it was a great movie or whether it had a future, is almost irrelevant. It um, has a lot of potential. And aren't they, are, I'm also wondering if they're still doing the uh, Black Cat, uh, the other person, Silvermane's, Silvermane's daughter. Um, well, you're talking about, um, not Silver Sable, but um, Silvermane's. Um, yeah, so Silver Sable? Yeah, Silver Sable. Yeah. yeah. They were going to also do a movie with those two. That could have been interesting. Um, maybe. Black Cat is would have the same problem as Venom in that the character is so tied to Spider-Man that without putting it in Spider-Man in some way, you're just going to mess it up. I, I don't like the idea of trying to divorce that character. Now, Silver Sable, on the other hand, yeah, you can do an you can do an individual Silver Sable movie and have it just work. Uh, it would be a lot of fun. And in fact, there is a point at which Silver Sable led a team of mercenaries that included Sandman, and that would be, I think, a great way to introduce that character in. But unfortunately, Sandman is still Spider-Man property, so that's definitely Sony. I don't know if Silver Sable would fall into that realm or not. She's a weird one. She's kind of all over the place in terms of, of what comics she touched. I'm not really sure where her property lies. Yeah, I, I just thought it was, they had this success with all these Spider-Man properties, the one property set that they still control. So they were going to just delve into all these other character lines. So we'll see if that one still gets made. But I, I know they were going to do more than just, you know, more than just Venom and, and Morbius. There were... There were other ones that they were going to do, too. Well, yeah, they're leading up to that Sinister Six, I'm sure. Um, I'd like to see a good Craven the Hunter. That that character, while just utterly ridiculous in so many ways, has some really dark storylines that are so good that I would love to see on screen. Jason Momoa? As Craven? Yeah, actually, that could work. That could really work. Uh, he's got the right look for it. Um, it would give him a chance to take a turn as a very, very dark character. Um, I mean, I, I I cannot overemphasize for people that are not comic book fans how dark this character is because most people have only seen him in in the uh, Spider-Man as Amazing Friends or the newer Spider-Man cartoons, and he's portrayed as, I am Trophy Hunter. I am the best in the world. I will uh, hunt Spider-Man because he's best. You know, it's, it's really kind of cliched and cheesy, and he's he's awful in the comics and some of the ripple effects of some of the things that he did are just, just terrible. And, uh, mm, I'm not going to get into anything just in case I would spoil it for anybody. But if you haven't, if you haven't read into it, take a look into a couple of the, uh, the later Craven, the Hunter storylines in um, in the comics and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. We said it before a good villain is what makes a good hero. Good. Yeah. So, I think Craven would be awesome also. Yeah. 
Well, we would love to have your opinions. What what villains would you like to see in the MCU or possibly even getting their own movie a la Venom or a la Morbius, who isn't exactly, neither of them are exactly villains, uh, anti-heroes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, let us know. We have uh, on our website, www.everybodylovespudding.com. We have forums. We don't often get visitors, but we always love to see your opinions on that. Um just you know, kind of let us know. Let us know on the social media that we already talked about. Just give us uh, give us some feedback, and uh, we will be happy to uh, entertain any awesome ideas for the show. Until next week. Oh yeah, next week. That's important. This is where we tell you about what's going to happen next week, or at least it will be once we uh, finally decide it. Ah, bye. Join us next week with our new news correspondent, Delvin Cox, live from Miami, Florida. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to have him back. He's going to bring us some interesting information, but also we're going to continue our trek down memory lane with the history of comic book movies. Now we're only going to be doing one movie at a time. We're going to continue in 2006. Yes, movies from 2006, but we're only going to try one at a time. Sneaking a little episode here, another little episode here, another one there. And eventually we're going to get through all these movies. But instead of doing them all, kind of throwing a match at one time, we're just going to hit it up one at a time. A little easier discussion that way. So we'll see you next week with Delvin and some movie talk. 